Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Amy. And this is the Girls in Marketing podcast. Every week, we release a new episode that you won't want to miss. Our guests are industry experts with amazing experiences, so you'll always come away with new nuggets of wisdom. From educational and inspiring episodes covering the latest in digital marketing, to casual and fun chats with the Girls in Marketing team, unpacking marketing myths and trends, we've got it all. Here at Girls in Marketing, we're all about empowering and supporting women to be the best marketers they can be through our online learning platform and community. Check out our resources and membership to get involved as we'd love to welcome you to our inner circle. Right, let's dive into an episode together. Hello and welcome back to the Girls in Marketing podcast. Today, Amy and I are so excited to be joined by Justin Clark and Lee Vanecki, founders of Social North. When I first met Justin and Lee in 2022, they both asked me to be a speaker at two of their Social North events, one in Leeds and one here in Liverpool. It was such an amazing experience to feature on a lineup of incredible speakers presenting to an audience full of social media professionals in the North. Justin and Lee are huge advocates for events in the North after realising, like many of us, that the expectation to always travel down South is not only expensive, but also neglects all of the talent that exists in the North of the UK. They're both super busy doing so much in the world of events, social media and lots of other things. So we're very excited to have them on the podcast today. So welcome both of you. So nice to have you here in very sunny Liverpool today. Um, I want to get started and I want you guys to give a bit of an overview on what Social North is because we founded it together. What actually is it for people who don't know? I'll go first. Go for it. So you think I would have this nailed down by now. Uh, Social North fundamentally is, is an event, is a networking speaker event for people working in digital marketing, social media in the North. Um, lots of big plans for it. But Social North has grown into a community um, with a couple of thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, but fundamentally, it's the best event in the North of its kind aiming to make it the best in the UK. Uh, But it's, yeah, it's a growing community. It's a growing event. That's where we are now. That's the kind of simple answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've you've probably hit all the main main points around it there. But ultimately, like I said, we just want to put the North on on the map, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's something something that truly, it is a speaker event, but it's something that truly represents the North as well as physically being here as well, obviously. Yeah. I think that's so important to us and something that we try to build already. But. Yeah, definitely. And having attended quite a few of the events ourselves and Olivia, obviously you speaking at a couple and stuff like that, definitely that is what it is. And it is putting the North on the map and I love that. That's why we, mm-hmm. we're such huge Social North fans ourselves. Yeah. That's something I'm really passionate about as yeah. we've spoken mm-hmm. about before. Mm-hmm. I think as someone who kind of grew up and was born, bred Liverpool, it is so important for me that it becomes the norm that these yeah. events mm-hmm. happen here. Um, and I think that, I know we've kind of spoken about it before, but it'd be really great to share like the main drivers for for doing that. Because I think to me, it's it's obvious, but what was your kind of, both of your experiences in what was the main driver for Social North initially? Yeah, I mean, it's, I can talk for a long time about this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things you kind of say a lot at events and introductions and it can sound a little bit like a, a kind of spiel or a story. But genuinely, you know, I spent many years going down to London as a speaker, as a panellist, going to events, sending, you know, my staff to events. And every single time 
it cost a fortune. You know, an event, a conference, five, six hundred pound a ticket, you know, two hundred pound, three hundred pound for a train ticket, a couple mm-hmm. of hundred quid on a hotel. And the events weren't always what I expected. I wasn't wowed. I didn't think, oh yeah, that's worth a thousand pounds. And the more I went to, the more kind of frustrated I got with it. Mm. But there was there was a few moments, as there usually are, where, you know, a, a, a girl started in my team, really enthusiastic, really good at what she did. And she kept coming to me with things. One was a conference in London. Can I go to this? You know, such and such is speaking. It'll be amazing. Went to my director and said, really good event. She's really passionate, really keen. And he said, yeah, that's fine, but that's her training budget for the year. Wow. And that was one of the moments where I thought, something needs to change. Yeah. You know, we've got so many talented people, so many amazing brands and businesses in the North, and there's nothing in that kind of ecosystem to support them. You know, the opportunities you can get from networking and from learning and meeting people just didn't exist. So I kind of complained and moaned about it for two or three years and then thought, let's just do it. Let's try and make something happen. That's kind of the main driver for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the other key things around it was the fact that I think we spent so much time travelling to London for those events and then I'd bump into you in London. Mm -hmm. Like literally we'd we'd all be spending that money. And the people I'd network with were the people that were in Manchester or Liverpool or the people I I could see every day if I wanted to Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And... I found myself, especially some of the longer conferences, say like a social media week, for example, mm. because of the cost prohibitors as well, I wasn't able to go to it all. It's a five-day event, I think, the one I went to once. And I found myself looking across five days of content going, okay, I can probably afford to be there for a day and a half max. And that's me like traveling down in the morning, so I'm going to miss an entire morning schedule, catch some afternoons, then I've got a day, then I'm traveling back mm. late that following night. And I almost had to, almost like, Beg and borrow, like, oh, I'm willing to sacrifice that one good speaker for this one yeah. good speaker. And then you get there and see, oh, I just didn't, the speaker was terrible. And I'm not going to name names, but there was one social media week I went down to. And I, it was, I basically chose my entire week stay down there based on one brand and one agency who I thought were creme de la creme. I wanted mm. to hear that person speak. Mm. The agency did a, a 60 minute creds presentation, which I probably could have read the website for. And the one brand I, still adore to this day as a brand, but their talk basically said, we get our audience to create content for us. And I'm like, I've, I've, I've spent 500 quid, or my business has spent 500 <laughs> yeah, quid. Yeah. So for you to tell me your core marketing strategy is UGC, mm-hmm. great. And the other person told me a showreel that I, I knew. And mm. even, even then, the network opportunities weren't that great. So I was mm. really let down, just felt really let down by it. And then, as I said, the, as you said, we were then speaking in the North about things and, I've actively avoided moving to London my entire career. And you wouldn't believe how many times I could have done, possibly because I should have done at points of my career, I should have mm-hmm. gone down there. Mm-hmm. But being so adamant of like, why should I, why should I after? Yeah. To the point where I've now stayed, and I've had great roles in Leeds and Manchester and the North and prospered working with great brands and never once has my career faulted as a result of it. Mm-hmm. But it would have been so easy for me at 21 to mm-hmm. be like, go down there and do that. And that's just sort of, I know that's more career-based, but from an event perspective, it's the well, same I mean, principle. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I did that. So I was in London for mm-hmm. years, you know, and when I came back home, I had that kind of six months of a year thinking, oh my God, what have I done? Like for me, there was a moment of, if I'm not there, 
I've somehow let myself down. I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's and it took me it took me a few years to kind of realise actually that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the kind of north and the big cities in the north and the people are just as good. You know, there's just as many opportunities. Yeah. But when it came to things for the industry I became part of, you know, one thing I used to go to loads of events kind of any event in Manchester that had social media marketing in the title, I would mm-hmm. go to. And I would see the same faces, you know, from the same brands or the agencies. And 10 minutes into that event, we'd kind of look at each other with, oh, okay, you know, the event was just really basic. It was like introduction to Facebook advertising for small businesses mm-hmm. or how to use marketing to X. There was nothing for that professional community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, I was going to stuff like that but then there was agencies like you know, half the agencies Lee's worked for, there was Social Chain, all these big agencies, big brands. And I thought, why, why isn't there anything for people that work professionally, you know, pitched at that level of, mm-hmm. we know what, do, what we're doing now, let's kind of learn from the best. Yeah. 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 That was kind of the, mm-hmm. the things that came together to spark that idea in the first place. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think as well, one thing we noticed about when we got into speakers planning for Social North, some of the people we did bring to Social North last year are London-based, but they're mm. from the North. Mm. So we've got people who were born in Liverpool or Manchester or even like smaller towns in the North who have made that decision to go South and prosper in their career and they're doing amazing roles and amazing, amazing work. But then we'd speak to them like, would you like to come up North and speak? And they're like, oh, my God, yeah. yeah." Would <laughs> I? I have never spoken in my hometown. I have never mm. spoken where I came from. Like, I get asked to do stuff all the time like internationally, but I never get asked to come to the north which yeah. i mean blew my mind if i'm honest yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's it's actually quite funny how many senior professionals in london are actually from the north for a start mm. there's quite a lot of them um but the fact that they came home to see family and that was about it even if they, yeah. were, and yeah. they never would come up here in a professional capacity yeah mm. but that also just demonstrates the importance yeah. of what social north are doing and and just celebrating people from the north in mm. the north in general you know that that there are people who were saying oh my gosh yeah i've never had that opportunity before and they would bite your hand off to come back to where they're from because they felt like those opportunities just didn't exist unless they mm. were in London or mm-hmm. down south or, you know, abroad or whatever. So it, it does really just highlight the importance of it, doesn't it? And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, we're huge advocates for it as well. Yeah. And it's not like there's not venues up north yeah. either. Because mm-hmm. I think that's another thing potentially, like, a good few years ago, maybe there wasn't the venues there or mm-hmm. maybe the, there always has been, but it's kind of like, you know, London has those big, massive places that you can mm-hmm. do conferences and, and all that sort of thing. And I think now so many especially manchester i mean mm. manchester's like the second city now isn't it of the uk or something loads of people say yeah. that and i think so many brands are seeing the value of it so i think we just need to do more events in the north really which is so important um interesting question how did you two actually meet still a sore subject so i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna let him tell you this one. <laughs> what, what have we done then? <laughs> Yeah, this is the breakup podcast. This, this um, is where I'm going to shift up a bit. So the simple question, Justin was my client, or in brackets, should have been my client. Should, yeah. Should this is been. such a sore subject. Yeah. So I've, I've, my background, especially the last 15 years, has been agency, and obviously I spend a lot of my time pitching to new businesses. The agency I was at the time pitched to TFGM, Transport for Greater Manchester, where Justin mm-hmm. was heading things up. Um, and I think it was for a summer campaign, if I remember rightly, we were pitching for a summer campaign. Is it our Instagram account? 
Yeah, I think yeah. That, yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember the brief. Um, <laughs> so I remember these things. No. I remember every Justin detail. remembers every, <laughs> single, every single detail. detail. <laughs> so I went to we, we we pitched and we won. And I don't think I'm being big-headed to say one of the main reasons we won is because basically me and Justin pretty much agreed on like 99% of stuff we were talking about in the in the session in terms of yeah. we come from very similar backgrounds in terms of worked in the industry for a long time, very eerily spooky in terms of how similar we are, in terms of like age, places of education, all that kind of stuff. But um, we just connected. What mm. just, Justin didn't know when he was making the decision is that I'd already handed him a notice to that agency and I was leaving. So I was quite naughtily cold pitching, essentially, mm-hmm. my expertise to a client who I'd never, ever work on. I felt very crap about that, if I'm honest, and it wasn't a decision I made. But, you know, <laughs> at Agency Life, mm. you were like, I'm, I was in the process and I pitched. And I think we did the pitch I had, to, I had to let the business make the decision, and mm. you made the decision, rightfully, to, to hire the agency I worked at. Um, and then I think I just called you and was like, "Mate, confession time," because you, you were yeah. due to, you were due to come in the week after for like the kickoff meeting with the new agency. And I'll be honest, the agency was like, "Oh well, when they come in, we'll just tell them." I'm like, "I can't do that." Yeah. So I think I'll give you a, like call beforehand and just kind of. Yeah, throw I think it. so because it, it's one of those situations where anybody that's been in house and has got agencies coming into pitch, you know, it's usually quite a long day you know you get loads of people in you stagger them in and you can tell pretty quickly yeah I never understand why agency pitches are more than 10 minutes because from my point of view within five or ten minutes I'm kind of thinking either these are the people I want to work with or they know what they're doing or they don't or they kind of understand us or they don't so I kind of over a day you're kind of looking out for that who are the people that really get it mm. and as soon as Lee's agency came in it was obvious that he knew what he was doing and he kind of understood it. And we just had that kind of, yeah, had that personal connection, which I think you get with people or you just don't. Mm. And it was very, I think it was our Instagram account. So it had taken me a while to get to the stage of saying, we need Instagram, Mm. you know? And like a lot of businesses, you can't get budget for staff, but you can get budget to bring in an agency to do it for you. Because the business thinks that, oh, well, you know, we can kind of turn that down or we can get rid of people. Mm. So it was kind of like a big moment. And, you know, I thought, right, Lee, brilliant. He's the person I want running this. Let's go with them. <laughs> Literally an hour after sending the email, you've won it, get an embarrassed phone call going, um, yeah, I'm kind of not going to be here. I was like, right, we're going to have to start it all again. <laughs> In the end, the agency were really good. Yeah, they were there, yeah, my, my team. Carried on, but yeah, <laughs> but I've, I've that, kind of forgiven him now. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah. But I think that was that was it, and I think that's the connection we had in that. Because again, I'll be honest, I pitch a lot, and you don't. You, sometimes you don't get that connection mm. from the other side of the table. Mm. Agencies don't get that relationship with right either. So we got it, and I think after that, I then moved on, and we stayed in touch, and we were carrying mm. on talking. Just it's great in social media or digital more broadly to find someone who kind of has a similar mm. view, because essentially we're an industry of views so it's nice for us to find someone who shares that so we, I think we just started as a again just like mates essentially and again for talking about our industry meeting up at events in London randomly because mm-hmm. we'd all paid to go down there and you already had social MCR which was kind of our first version of social north planned for yeah so, yeah, so again if I'm getting ahead of myself stop me <laughs> but yeah so social MCR was like the first event Mm-hmm. That was the very, very first beginnings mm-hmm. of Social North, which was very briefly, it was, you know, got to that point, sick of there not being anything, right, let's start something. 
So I had a really good relationship with Hootsuite back then. And I kind of said to them, look, if I book somewhere, do everything, will you pay for it? Yeah. You know. Amazing. Me being very kind of commercially naive, <laughs> sent them the bill okay. to pay for it. I didn't mm. think, oh, I can make some money. Mm. Didn't even enter my mind. Um, Lee was a speaker at the first event. That was me making up for <laughs> yeah, that was me telling him, you're coming to do this and you're not getting paid. Uh, yeah, so Lee was a speaker at the first event. And after that, it was just kind of a, that was brilliant. Kind of, you know, the two of us, let's do things together. Mm. Yeah, we had you a know? lot of conversations. I think leading up to it, I'd agreed to speak because I'd mm. done quite a lot of public speaking around it for a long time and totally game. Because again, I very rarely got invited to speak in the, in the North as well. So I was excited for the same mission that we're now selling to other people. Mm. And I think my talk was on a kind of, it was social media and experiential and how most agencies and most brands do it wrong in terms mm-hmm. of how you connect real life and online mm-hmm. life together. Mm-hmm. But I think in the run-up to it, um, I think I just kept asking questions and we, I helped with a lot of things in terms of yeah. consultancy around mm. content, which is kind of one of my specialties and mm. stuff like that. And it just became more and more. And I think by the time we got to the event, I mean, we afterwards, the classic, every every post-social north, I think we have a bit of a debrief and it ends up a therapy session sometimes. Mm. But that was very much a post-session of like, this was ace. Like we had, yeah. I mean, the, the room was standing room only at the back. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that first event was, again, it's stupid to say it now. It sounds crazy that you mm. do it, but it was two weeks notice. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's smart. I literally booked a really posh venue in Manchester, so King Street Townhouse. Mm. More like a wedding venue. I was like, yeah, we can make it work. Didn't promote it. I just DM'd loads of people on LinkedIn, made it this like invite only exclusive thing. Loads of people were saying, oh, I've heard about your event. Can I come? You know, I'm thinking we get 50 or 60, the capacity is about 80, 100. I think we had 150 people turn up. Wow. There's literally people stood at the back, people stood on the terrace outside. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're stood as the speaker, there was like heads round pillars and all sorts of yeah. stuff so it kind of showed okay so no planning two weeks notice yeah literally just using like my network this could become something mm-hmm. let's do it again let's do it again mm. um you know we, we're kind of fortunate because i had that relationship with hootsuite there's not many people you could probably turn around to and say can you just <laughs> you just pay for this yeah mm. be a few grand and yeah. go yeah fine yeah you know mm-hmm. But yeah, that first event showed there's something there. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really obvious from what both of you are saying that you're so, both so passionate, not only about social media kind of and and, and, and people from the North and, and, you know, kind of talent in the North and celebrating that and stuff, but you're both really passionate about what you do in terms of social media, in terms of content and that sort of stuff. You've both got, you know, really varied and, and amazing kind of careers. How did you both get into social when when was it that you realized that social media digital content that side of thing was was for you was there a moment when you were like you know when you were younger say or whenever that you thought this is what I want to do and this is the role I want to do or has it been one of those typical kind of finding your way and falling into things and just kind of finding finding what you love along the way I'll let Lee go first on that but something you said there that's really important (laughs) was when we were younger yeah is it something we thought of? No, because when we were younger, <laughs> literally didn't yeah, exist. Yeah, fair, fair. When we were younger, barely had phones. Yeah. Dial-up internet. I like, mean, fair, fair enough. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, so it yeah, it was, yeah. it was it was one of those things. I'll I'm say, kind of, I'll let you go first, so I will do. But I'm just going to say I'm kind of glad that 
Facebook was invented a year after I graduated from uni, which I'm kind of grateful of. There's no yeah. track record of my uni life online, which is we, we were born at the perfect age of. for, for digital and social. Mm. You know, from the age of like 12 to kind of 18, it wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. So our younger days aren't documented. Yeah. <laughs> which is good. Lucky for us, and yeah. you. <laughs> but then it kind of came in just as we were starting to kind of think about life outside, mm. having fun and work yeah. and all these sorts of things. <clears throat> so it's just at that kind of cusp, that turning point. So not quite digital, like native. We didn't grow up with it. Mm. But from a professional point of view... It's yeah. kind of always we've kind of been there from the start. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's where uh, to the point of like, is there? A, did you realise you're it? No, I absolutely fell into this. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you, I save you the full story. But basically, when I left university, I only wanted to do one thing, which was be a music journalist. That's why I was starting my career. I was a music mm. journalist, mm. specialising in heavy rock and metal, oh, wow. uh, especially. And that's what so that's what I did. I came out of university, and that's what I did. And again, this sentence ages me massively, but MySpace was the thing then yeah. in terms of not only from a community perspective, but also that's where I discovered new music. It's mm -hmm. where I spoke mm -hmm. to bands, I spoke to managers and PRs and reps and everything in between. And I think because of it career-wise, I learned how to use that to build my own community, to, I mean, to use basic HTML, to mm -hmm. literally do content, to speak to people, to the point that I set up a... Um, Music Journal's got no money in it, by the way, just in case. That's another reason, like, it was my chosen career. anyone wants to go into it. <laughs> yeah, great career. Uh, but no, you get to go on tour, you get to meet bands, you get to do all the cool stuff, but you don't get paid, which is a bit of a problem. Great. Um, so I used to do stuff on the side in terms of I'd sell. I wrote the bios for MySpace, MySpace pages for bands. I did all that kind of stuff. I sold, did press packs. I had little PR things on side that I used to do on MySpace. And in order to do that, I've basically, I was trying to sell my journalism degree, basically a reason for me to be able to work. But what I realised what I was doing was I was building MySpace communities, I was building YouTube channels, and people were asking me for that. Mm. So essentially that's what I started doing. Mm. I started creating social content. And then I was a copywriter. I had to, to fund the music journalism, I had a full-time job at the Press Association as a listings editor, specialising in music still. And I basically became the only person in the room who, when Facebook launched, I didn't just on it, I actually understood how it worked. Mm -hmm. Same with Twitter, same with YouTube, same with whatever mm -hmm. came next. And it's actually quite funny now looking back how little people took it that seriously. I was the person, one person in the room who knew social. I was mm. the one person in the room who took it seriously enough to say you should probably do this. Mm. And I was often laughed out of a room when I talked about the professional or the serious mm. side of social. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it got to the point where it, it just it just grew. And I think that's where, well, like I said, I never really planned it because it just kind of fell into it just through pure osmosis. But so as a kid, I was the I was the lad who was on forums when early days internet. I was spending 90 minutes downloading a track on Napster back in the day. Like literally, I, I've been internet or tech <laughs> obsessed from a young age. Mm. It was just a very different type of tech. And then, yeah, I, I always say that I feel, I feel just ridiculously lucky that I got in when it wasn't a serious endeavour and it allowed me to play, it allowed yeah. me to discover, it allowed me to do all this great stuff. And then when it became more of a professional thing, I'd already been doing it for like five five years probably yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm. And it, most of my first jobs in the industry were hybrid roles. I was a copywriter who did Twitter. I was the, the, yeah, I was the writer who did yeah. Facebook. Mm -hmm. I, was, and I think it must have been five, six years into my career before I had my first job as like social media manager. Yeah. Yeah, similarities, I think, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of the age. But I mean, my, you know, my, I, I spent way too long studying the 
multiple degrees, master's degrees. The plan was to become an academic, mm-hmm. write books. That was always the plan. And then the family kind of said, right, get a job. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> a PhD? What's that going to do for you? Yeah. Go and earn some money. I was like, right, okay. So my first career was working in politics. I was like a parliamentary researcher, then a press officer, and that was kind of my, that's where I was going. Oh, interesting. But it, it, a bit like Lee said, Twitter especially was being mm-hmm. starting to be used by politicians. Mm-hmm. And there was that understanding of, you know, a politician can hold a constituency event and 20 people will come, or we can now reach thousands of people. And back then you could do, there was no real algorithms. There was no restriction. Mm-hmm. You had 5,000 people on a Facebook page, every post would go to 5,000 people. So I kind of became the, the go-to person, not just for the MP I was working for, but people he knew because I was the one who kind of knew about these things. And once I left politics, I moved into kind of comms, PR, public affairs roles. Whether I was a comms manager or a media relations manager, I was always the social media person Mm -hmm. on the side. Mm -hmm. So for probably, God, at least five years, I did two jobs everywhere I worked. And the, the more kind of senior I got, the more senior I got with the social media. Mm. Because kind of back then, and I'm only talking maybe 15 years, even 10 years ago, yeah. social media manager or head of social, or it wasn't a job title. No. Yeah. Especially, you know, my background's more public sector. Mm-hmm. There was no way you were getting budget for a dedicated person for social no. media because it was no. like, well, the uptake, that's crazy. The uptake in public sector yeah. and that sort of stuff's always, well, yeah. generally from my experience, is, is slower anyway, isn't it? So, mm. yeah, it's just, it's interesting to hear both of your experiences of it. And I mean, you know, Lee, you said, oh, this, this will age me, but I was on MySpace. And stuff. I was on MySpace, <laughs> but very much like, I think I was probably about 14 and it was like my top 10 friends from school yeah. and it wasn't <laughs> in any way in a professional capacity, but that was kind of my first exposure to those platforms as well. But it's so interesting to hear of your experiences of how it was before social was this mm. big thing that is just at the forefront of everybody's day-to-day mm. and you can't see it any differently. And that you were, because you both had that um, knowledge and that experience in it, that it kind of became something that you were the go-to person for and yeah. your career's kind of forged from there. It's such an interesting path. Yeah, and I mean, the, the, the kind of social media as a side of the desk role yeah. had been something for years, mm. you know, across mm-hmm. loads of industries. Public sector, it was probably more prominent because of kind of things move a bit slower and budgets are harder to get. But it was really when I was in a kind of press office manager, media relations role, the the classic way of sending out a press release to a database and you kind of hope for the best, maybe have a a coffee every now and again with a journalist. I was speaking to 20, 30 journalists via Twitter DMs. You know, I was getting more media coverage than the business had had before and I wasn't sending out press releases. Mm -hmm. I was doing it through private conversations on Twitter. And it was those kind of moments when it was like, A, this is where things are going. B, I'm pretty good at it. So I was like, right, as soon as the social media role started appearing, I thought, go and do that. Mm. You know, go and do it. Yeah. yeah. It was so complimentary to things. Like when I talk about my journalism, I was obsessed with print. And I still am mm-hmm. to this day. Literally before this podcast, I was bookshopping in Liverpool because I still like the tangible feeling of print. Mm-hmm. And I'm obsessed with content. And I think it was that switch that we had in terms of understanding that what I loved could be translated to online. Mm-hmm. And if, even in the early days, it's, that's my entire career. 
especially early days career has been predicated on that idea of learning. Like again, my, I loved writing. So then I had to learn to write in the context of a blog instead of an, a physical letter or a book mm-hmm. in order to understand that someone would then tell me about SEO. So I okay, cool. So now I'm now learning about Google and how that works. Then you're obviously putting that stuff online. I'm like, okay, I need to think about early days WordPress. I need to think about UX. I need to think about that. And so that's my entire career has been predicated on this idea of rolling my own interests in content, in communication, in talking to people was just funneled through this one channel. And it's kind of, it's pure, pure luck, like absolute pure mm. luck that it actually became what it did. Because for every social media channel that came huge, there was obviously dead channels that yeah. went the opposite way. So I think, again, I always refer to it as incalculably lucky. And it is because, like you said, mm. we, we started at the right time when it was not yeah. serious. We we took it seriously enough to stay with it. Yeah. And then by the time it became serious, I always feel a little bit weird saying like I was there at the beginning. Well, yeah. no, but it's true. It's yeah. Yeah. And throughout this evolution <laughs> and throughout your careers growing um, mm. as social and kind of digital has mm. developed, have there been any standout campaigns or things that you've been involved in that have been highlights obviously I know there will be loads of them and, and it's probably a lot of pressure to put you on the spot to pick one <laughs> but are there any that you can think of that you you know really stand out for you as something that you were a part of yeah um for me yeah uh, I think full stop full stop yeah. <laughs> just yeah. yes okay. no contest thank you thanks for listening <laughs> um I said yes then I'm like 10 came into my head yeah. at the same yeah. time <laughs> Um, I've, like I said, I've, been, I've worked in agencies for the last 15 years and I've had the pleasure of working with big brands, local brands, global brands and really cool stuff. And, mm-hmm. But I think most recently I'm going to reference a piece of work I'm doing now, which I'm, I'm at Manifest now, uh, which is work we've done with Tommy Tippy, the children, the oh, yeah, parents and baby brand. Because mm-hmm. um, the reason why I want to highlight it is because A, it was my first client when I went to a Manifest, which is was a big moment for me in terms of excited to be at the agency and also working with them. I'm a parent, so again, a brand that I grew up with in terms of I remember it being around when I was a kid versus and now I've got children, it's the same thing again. Mm. And then the campaign we've been doing has been, it's now in year three. And I love the fact that it wasn't a campaign where, what did you do for two weeks? What did you do for a month? Mm. It was a rolling strategy for the brand level that needed to be built out and would consistently grow and has. And I said, we're in year three now. And the reason why I love it so much is because actually the kernel of what it started with was the insight that most parent brands look at the baby but don't look at mum. They look after the baby, they don't look after the, the mum, which mm-hmm. obviously is such an important time in life in terms of what once you have a baby, I say this as a man, so I'm conscious of what I'm saying, but um, it's... Keep going. Yeah, keep going, keep digging <laughs> keep that digging, yeah, go on. Uh, <laughs> But it's such an important role that if you, so much attention is given to baby and not the parent and not mm-hmm. the mum in that situation. So for to take a stance as a campaign where we did that and we spoke to over a thousand mums like literally one-on-one, talk to them about what is of their experienced. And then we, if I want to pun, give birth to a campaign that was basically <laughs> off the back of what those mums said, how they felt, um, what they were going through, what they expected mm. and what they didn't expect, and those truths that exist in there. And the first year was essentially a campaign that was just a celebration of feeding um, from a mum's perspective and the kind of the joy of doing that, mm-hmm. but underpinned with some real, real strong truths. And that included a really strong social narrative in terms of like hero content, but then like uh, Instagram series where we talked to mums one-on-one about stuff. And then since then, we've gone on and on again. And we've, we've now talked about, uh, we do a lot of stuff around parental truths, um, highlighting um, the stigma that is attached to stuff like breastfeeding in public and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's just an amazing campaign. And the, the, re- the final reason why I love it is because not only did it completely change the perspective of Tommy Tippy it's also started to change the narrative of how people speak about parenting, which for mm. my brand campaign is incredible. Mm. 
when we first launched our first video, it was banned by most of the social channels because it includes women breastfeeding their baby, which is ridiculous, to wow. put it mildly, mm. because essentially it's seen as sexualized content. Mm -hmm. we, 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 knew, we knew that with those rules. Mm. We did it anyway. Mm. And it actually opened up a conversation where Facebook started to have a conversation with Tommy TP Direct. LinkedIn changed the rules around the video for placement, so they reinstated it. So again, it's a, it's a significant yeah. change we were delivering with yeah, the campaign. Yeah, that's so powerful. I, I honestly have no idea where to start with that question. Because, um, you know, like Lee said, he's kind of been an agency mm. most of mm. his life. I've done so many different things. So like a, a standout moment or project or campaign. For me, it's not, it's not necessarily the ones that kind of have achieved a brief or have, you know, got the coverage. There's, there's so many things. So, you know, one, I worked at a place called Myosco College which is a very specialist college for, I suppose, kind of different types of education. So they do, they've got a motorsport academy, they've got sports academies mm. that are aligned to, you know, Nike, Formula One teams, all these amazing things. But no one really knew about them. They're like the best in the industry. And the stories in there are like a PR person's dream. Mm -hmm. There's so many kind of, we put the spotlight on these young kids that have gone from, you know, traditionally not great at education, to now being through Myosco College and they're working on Lewis Hamilton's car or they're a groundskeeper at Real Madrid or Wimbledon Tennis Club. And we were able to kind of put a spotlight on that mm. very much and kind of tell those stories. So it's those things. But I mean, there's so many different campaigns. I think the way I look at it, there's... What I've kind of ended up doing without it being purposeful is get brought into an organisation when social is either at the beginning mm. or they've kind of got to a stage where they maybe plateaued. And my job has been to take them to that next level or to get social started. Yeah. And that can be, who do you recruit? What's the strategy? What tools do you bring in? Mm. Just how do you use social more, more effectively? And because a lot of it's been in the public sector, fundamentally what's that, what that, that's allowed the organisation to do is communicate better with people. You know, it's transformed how an entire organisation speaks to the people that they serve. So I think that sort of work, which is about helping organisations kind of realise the potential of social media, is probably the thing when I look back I'm most proud of. Mm. Now, I'm sure there's individual bits in there that I would pull out. Mm. I think one thing I always think about is I was involved in the, the response to the Manchester Arena attack yeah wow um so that was you know really difficult i mean fundamentally our role was quite small we weren't the police but we were responsible for kind of transport comms and the, the reality is you know, what happened happened it was horrendous and it was a tough thing to work through but people still needed to get around they needed to be reassured made to feel safe you know me my team other people at the organization worked you know, crazy hours, but just to kind of reassure people that things are still moving, you can still get around, you know, and to see the kind of Manchester community come together, that's kind of something I'll never forget working on. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, yeah, crazy. What role do you think then with Social North? And mm -hmm. I think both of you have obviously worked on a number of different, you know, social campaigns, content campaigns. What role do you think 
social media has played with social north then because i know mm. going back to earlier when you were talking about um your first event and it was very you know inclusive <laughs> invite only mm. now obviously it's it's not that anymore it's the opposite, um, it's the opposite yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um and obviously having done all of the events you did in 2022 mm-hmm what role does social play and do you think that your expertise from previous campaigns from your whole career mm. plays a part in that and and the kind of distribution of those events and actually getting people there yeah i mean the the, the knowledge on you know growing something from because when social all started just to go back slightly you know we did the last social mcr event in march 2020 the week before the first lockdown, mm. the plan was to use that event to launch this new concept and do it across the north. Mm. Obviously, I had to wait two years, you know, and then we started. But again, when we started, it was very much no idea if people will buy into this. You know, do people even want to go to events? But it quickly went from put the focus on the event, people supported what we were trying to do. You know, so we thought put on a cool event, great people, nice food and drink posh venue that's what is going to make this a success now we get people saying you know whatever you do in the future we're going to sign up to yeah kind of don't care who the speakers are we just Mm -hmm. see your name and we're going to we're going to do something Mm -hmm. yeah because people buy into what we're trying to do it's that mission it's that purpose you know there's a lot of kind of i'll use the word nonsense around purpose-led value-driven businesses it's become a bit of a buzzword but when you look at social north that's what's become important. So our kind of combined experience on how do we use content? How do we use social strategically? It's more, let's realize why people are engaging with us and let's use social to kind of push that. Yeah. Let's make people part of it. Let's bring people Mm in. It's not about us going information about event, event, event. And that's all we talk about. Actually, we're, we're kind of getting to a stage now where we're going to talk less about the events and we want to talk more about why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's what people talk to us about. Yeah. I think my experience is if you can get an audience to connect with something, whether that's a commercial, you're trying to sell a product, you're trying to, you know, public sector, if people are telling you something, you need to use that and make it part of your story. Mm. Don't try and force your narrative on people. I think if there's one thing I've learned, it's you've kind of got to be flexible and adapt and, and listen to people and then mm-hmm. thread that through your approach. Mm. Yeah, and I think that, that feedback loop has been really important for us. I think we've, for our careers, for clients and stuff, we've mm. both built communities and yeah, we've yeah. built those kind of feedback loops before. But when coming at it from a position where you've been in the industry for a long time, there is, <laughs> there is a worry that you can say, like, I know, I know what I'm doing here. It's the classic thing about everything. Like I've been doing social media for a long time. So maybe I, I could have, be, you could become an influencer because I'm inside the tent for so long. So when we came to the events, which I'll be honest, my background isn't in experiential or events. I know mm. how to activate on events, but not running them and building them myself. But we had a view on what we wanted to build. And we built, I think the first few versions of it were probably in our own image or what we saw as something we wanted to do mm-hmm. in it. And then in time, through feedback, whether that's on the night, our community have been amazing. Like the second an event finishes, we, I mean, we actively go around the room, right, and speak yeah, to yeah. people, asking them what they thought of the night, who the favourite speaker, what did they really like, because we want to tease that information out while it's still fresh in the brain. 
But then we get into social feeds like the night of and the morning after and they're constantly mm-hmm. sharing their favorite moments and clips and all these kind of stuff. And we've essentially created that feedback loop that allows us to, that every event is an iteration of what became before. Even like we always wanted to go across the north, but the the fact that we heard stories of people traveling to Manchester from Leeds or from Newcastle to come down to see us yeah. or from Liverpool, I know you guys have come across a few times, that in itself told us there's an impassioned community in these key cities. And we've had people, we had a, a student who was who started a petition in Sheffield for us to go there. Mm-hmm. And she, she came to events in Newcastle and in, in Leeds and stuff. So I think that, so it's little things like that where you're like, okay, that, that guides us really strongly mm. with where we go next. Mm. It informs who we speak to, who we're going to, where we run events. Um, that, I think that's been really important. And I think that it's another reason why this year, whilst we are still planning a lot of stuff we're doing, we're kind of planning in public a lot more than we've probably done in the past yeah. because I think it's so important for us to, mm-hmm. I mean, the, we've probably got how many WhatsApp groups between us for different oh, di- God, di- dimensions of, so we've got social health content group yeah. and then we've got the kind of just general planning group and then the news group and like, and that's just me and you just talking in, uh, to, to each other. <laughs> yeah. In different channels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very active conversations. <laughs> organised. But I mean, I, but we have to do that. Right? I love so, the organisation yeah. actually. Yeah. That, yeah. But I'm I mean, on, on your question on kind of what's, what have our backgrounds taught us? been really difficult really mm. difficult i kind of wish i could like hire myself to look at social north objectively mm. work out what our content strategy needs to be write the plan and then give it to myself interesting yeah because one of the first times in my kind of life and career and i think it's because it's it like means a lot because mm. it's taken yeah. it's taken me mm. until this age to go this is what i want to do like Consultancy is wonderful and working with loads of different clients is great, you know, but Social North has been different. And I think it's made me question myself more than I have. I'm like, I know this approach will work, but is it right? Should we say it like this? Mm. Whereas I would never have that hesitation with a client. Mm. That's really tricky. Um, and again, that's why Social North has taught me so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't so- know if you get that from mm. kind of what you do. I mean, I imagine that's definitely something that yeah. you can really relate to, isn't it, mm. Liv? Um, but I think it's so interesting to hear that. And I think it's, it's. I just think that's such an interesting nugget of information that you'd mm. like to have yourself be able to be objectively external and kind yeah. of give you mm. what I, you I should be doing be. with it. But it, yeah. it, it must be so hard, right? When you're so passionate about it and, and it's like, you know that you could do all of these things for other businesses and other brands as a, in a consultancy mm. capacity, like you say, but it's just, it's different, isn't it? When there's that emotional oh, yeah. attachment. Um, so talking about Social North then, again, not sure quite how straightforward this question is going to be to answer for you both, but so many of our listeners I know will be really, really interested in Social North. Mm-hmm. What do you guys at the moment see the future of Social North looking like? How can people get involved? You know, going away from listening to this podcast, what, what can people mm. do to get involved with what you guys are up to? Do, I mean, do, do, do you want me to? Well, there's so much that we've got in terms of the future plans. Yeah. This is another, again, the challenge of what we've been building in the open. And like I said, we can share some specifics, I suppose, mm. a little bit about what we're talking about it. But like, what it, what Social North could be is. Will be. Will be. Yeah. Positive. Good show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. That's a good build. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's essentially it's an infinite book, right? What it, it will be. Yeah. And it, it's kind of. You know, it's always in these things, your greatest strength is is often your, your greatest weakness with things. Mm-hmm. So one thing, again, I get paid to do and have done for a number of years is the long-term strategic thinking. What's the vision? 
how can we go from where we are mm. to what we could become? So on a roadmap, you know, Social North is starting with events. We want to do lots of big events. We want to introduce kind of smaller, more intimate events by sector, which gives our existing community something more specific to them. Mm -hmm. That's feedback we've had. Mm. But the kind of vision for Social North is events are very much the start. Yeah. You know, we've got ambitions for, we want Social North to become a real kind of voice for the industry. Because one thing about social media compared to PR or comms, marketing, there isn't a chartered institute. There isn't a PRCA, CIM, all these organizations. Mm -hmm. Social media kind of exists without that central authority. Mm. Why not make Social North something that can drive an industry like that? Mm -hmm. You know, I've kind of, I've got loads of thoughts and Lee has big ambitions, you know, create a Social North fund to help people start businesses, yeah. loads of different things. Now the hard bit is what do we do next week to yeah. make that happen? Yeah. That's why we've got you 15 know? WhatsApp groups. That's why we've got so many WhatsApp groups. So the, the, the kind of focus for what comes next is to kind of go, okay, that's where we're going. I can see it. I know how we're going to get there. Let's get the next event sorted out. Yeah. Mm. You know, that new idea for a new event series, let's just do that and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Because it's hard enough if Social North was the only thing that we did. You know, Social North kind of started as a, like that classic passion project side hustle. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. And then overnight, well, overnight, over the course of a few months, it grows into something fairly big and, you know, could be quite a big business. Mm. I've got two other businesses to run. I've got three or four other roles in other businesses that pay the bills. Last year, that kind of had to be put to one side and we focused on Social North. Mm. Um, but I think in terms of how people can kind of find out about us, I think that the first answer is sign up to our kind of newsletter. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, by our own admission, we're not as regular with the comms as we'd like to be, but we're, we're sorting that out, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, again, building this to your point around wanting to hire yourself, I think that's the perfect mm. thing. It's like, we are building this ship as we sail it to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's kind of a chosen path for us in many ways because we knew, yeah. we've we spent so much time thinking about what we wanted to do that, I mean, we're both strategists, right? So we probably could think about this for years if we really wanted to. <laughs> mm. But the ability to, we wanted to put something on and what we, we want to build this as we go and that's what we're doing. And so I think there is a website, there is a newsletter, we've got social channels. Yeah, yeah. Me and Justin are both pretty prolific on all of the social channels mm -hmm. as well the curse of being in the industry and the pleasure at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think we never tire of hearing people talk about Social North because it's, for us, that's just fuel to show that it's needed. Like even we went to an awards do, let's, this is a humble brag, but we were, we, were, we, were, <laughs> we were nominated at the Prolific North Awards for Outstanding Contributor to the North. We got a highly commended. We voted account. for you. We did. There oh, you thank go. You. Thank we you very did. much. Yeah. Quite a few people did, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which was a really proud moment, again, coming back to the whole ethos for doing it. But I think the point, of, rather than just humbly bragging about it, um, we went to that awards to two weeks ago now mm -hmm. um, in Manchester. And the sheer amount of people who stopped us to ask where the next event is, to ask us, yeah. you should speak to so-and-so, he's over there, you should speak to it. And it's a genuine, and that's talking about the building in public thing, which we've been really passionate about now is, we want the thing we're building is something that we're the architects of it, but the, the, the caveat in that is 
everyone in the north can equally help us mm. build mm. this what we're vision what we're doing it i said we, we're shaping the vision to what the north needs not just what me mm. and justin need mm-hmm. we've both spoken at enough conferences that if we just wanted to speak on stage we probably could do that without having yeah. to go through the headaches with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. where we're building yeah. our own event series but that's essentially what we want to build we want to build something that represents the north and as the north is changing which we've obviously seen over the last i'd say five ten years and from a marketing perspective, we will change with it. So right now our roadmap is busy, but mm-hmm. clear in terms of how everything bridges together as well, which is really important. We don't want to be the person who goes, oh, actually, this is really cool now, so let's launch X. Mm. We've never been about that. So I think we've got a really interconnected roadmap of plans. Yeah. And we have to be really honest with ourselves in terms of what is needed now versus what is needed next month, next potentially next year and almost because as hopefully it's demonstrated, our passion for this isn't designed to be a, it'd be cool if we did a few events. It is, this is, no. it'd be really cool if we changed the entire game mm. in the North. Yeah. And it's, I kind of hinted at before, you know, it's gone from, did a few events in Manchester, let's grow it, you know, put Social North on. Can we, can we do it? Are people going to turn up? Do people care? Mm. Like, are they happy going to London and paying money or do they want something on the doorstep? You know, and last year told us, the demand is way bigger than we could handle, <laughs> like which is a yeah. lovely problem to have. Yeah, it's an opportunity, yeah. isn't it, right? Every, every event we go to or even just walking around like Manchester City Centre or, or wherever, people stop and say, oh, when's the next one? You know, are you going to do it every month? So in Liverpool, had people coming up to us saying, you know, and I always would ask, would you come back? Mm. How often should we do it? Oh, if you do it monthly, I'll come. I'm like, right, okay. <laughs> So that's one massive event every month in yeah. six cities. Yeah. Right, okay, that's quite an ambition. <laughs> but I think, you know, your question around what can people do, I'm, you know, Social North is not anti-London. It's no. kind of pro-North. Yeah. That's why I think about it. And I think what people can do individually is kind of celebrate the North a bit more. Yeah. You know, mm. you're a kind of shining example of an amazing business, built this incredible community, doing amazing things, you know, and the future for you hopefully is really bright. Mm. You know, there's loads of other businesses out there that are growing. Just talk it up more. Yeah, Mm. yeah. You know, if you're a business owner or you're an agency or you know somebody who's doing really good work, put them forward for stuff. Yeah. You know, there's almost like a collective responsibility. yeah. Yeah. Even if it's uncomfortable, go and speak at that big conference. Yeah. Go and show the kind of industry outside London, that there are these amazing brands, businesses, people that are doing incredible stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and kind of look past the kind of competition. You know, I, I always kind of appeal to people that we're going to have to build the reputation of the North up kind of ourselves. Mm. So that's my kind of appeal to people is just just talk it up a bit more. Get involved in stuff. Yeah, I think that's what you found. That there is other events happening now, especially in, I've seen events in Liverpool and Newcastle yeah. where we've been. And we've mm-hmm. attended quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, I think there's, there's occasions where we've had, you've had conversations especially with people who are creating events and they're almost surprised that we're supporting them. Not that, yeah, I don't know, yeah. this makes it sound like I'm we're, we're surprised we turn up, but isn't it? we're not the Kardashians. <laughs> but the, um, <laughs> yet. Um, but the ultimate, the, that whole thing of like, if there's an event on that's actively mm. supporting, it's got the same mission as us to create that kind of northern, the true northern powerhouse, not just the government version of it, is for us, 
is very much around like we want to be there and celebrate with them. Yeah. We want to promote that, and we'll we'll yeah. do the same. We'll use our community to highlight things. And those same community members have obviously come to our events, and yeah, and that's, I think that's really important for us to be able to celebrate that together. And yeah. one of the other things I was going to say is that actually people who have spoken to us have asked us about creating Social North in their city, but them running it, which is a really, I mean, the first time someone yeah. suggested that to us kind of blew my, it blew my mind, if I'm honest, because it was like, oh, you you want you want to do this? And I you want to hold my baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, that, again, that's, yeah, it's a really interesting conversations to have with people. Like, I want to speak. I want to attend mm. all of them. People follow us around different things. I want to host my own. I want to be involved. Like, you guys, how do we support it? You've been great at supporting that. So, like, I've been lovingly surprised by the response yeah, and, and I think that's one great. of the funniest things still is we get people getting in touch saying oh I've seen your event it looks amazing I've been on your kind of ticket registration it says it's free yeah that's you. it's like yeah well can I bring bring as many people as you want yeah and it took a while for that kind of what's the catch mm. Mm. you know yeah big fancy venue mm. amazing speakers glass of champagne no cost and it, it's taken a while for people to go, oh, you are actually doing this yeah. because you kind of believe in the mission behind it. Mm. And I think that says a lot about the kind of event space that people are used to, used to being pitched at, used to it being a kind of lead generation exercise. But as soon as we've seen that change, it's been so positive, mm. you know, and then we have seen other people kind of start doing things and that's what it's about. It's about yeah. encouraging the industry together in the North to do stuff and supporting each other, which is kind of crucial. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's about making events more affordable as well. I know, yeah. Yeah. I know we were chatting about it earlier, yeah, yeah. but that's yeah. something that I know we kind of are all passionate about. It, you know, mm. I think it's so hard to, you know, pay out hundreds of pounds for, you know, a one-day conference or even, you know, a, a week long or, or anything mm. like that. And I think for our community, from a girls in marketing perspective, you know, we generally have people who are, um, you know, kind of junior, mid-level, getting started in their career. And mm. that's not really something that they can, one, afford and mm. two, really have the confidence to pitch when it comes to training or, or anything yeah. like that. And I think having those accessible events in local places is so important because, yeah. you know, it, not everyone's going to want to, you know, go to London necessarily. Mm. Um, and on the point that you were saying mm. before in regards to, events and kind of like going to these amazing venues it showcases the venues as well doesn't yeah, it yeah, you know yeah. so it, it's a win-win for everyone really you know as much yeah. as it's a win for the attendees to win for the venue you know and and I think so many from a, a, another kind of event we we organize events with girls in marketing as well mm. so many venues I speak to in the north are so willing to give you their event their event space you know um especially kind of smaller more intimate places mm. you know you you ask in london and you're looking at minimum spend or yeah. you know whatever where a lot of places in the north are like oh yeah like i've got this space like i'd love to host you stuff like that so i think there's just that there is that community element of the north yeah. and it's nice to see that when that comes together and that's that's a really important point because that's kind of the immediate future the social north yeah. is, you know, I spend a lot of my time just going out, talking to people, you know, no kind of agenda. Sometimes I think, oh, could be a, could be a partner, sponsor, but ultimately they're just interesting people. Mm. And lots of people say the same thing, which is we absolutely love what you're doing. We back it. 
it's needed, it's not right for us as a business. Even if this business is huge and has got plenty of money, it's just not right for us to, to mm. sponsor it. But we've got this amazing event space. You know, we'd love you to do something here. and We'd love to be able to support it. So we're kind of developing a, a number of sector-specific series, which will be, like you said, you know, a kind of friendly business partner who is helping us keep costs down, but be able to do something for the, the kind of people in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, the reality is for Social North to grow, it needs to be commercially viable on its own. Yeah. And whatever that looks like, and you'll know there's a million different options, we always want to have that free element where the barriers that we do want to remove from the industry aren't there. Mm. You know, I think where lots of kind of events, and I get it 100%, and I would never criticise anybody for this, where they offer a few bits for free and then it's just paywalled instantly. Yeah. It's like, right, we kind of got your interest now, right, now pay up. And I think that's what some people were waiting for with Social North. They'd been to two events and they were going, is this one free? It's like, yeah. yeah. But what you said is that, you know, there's always something people can do to support a girls in marketing, a social north or whoever it is. It isn't always about a big chunk of money up front. Yeah, just spread the word. Yeah. Whether you've got event space, whether you can tell your network, whether you can talk about it online. Mm-hmm. It's that power collectively over a huge industry that's going to make a big difference. You know, no one organisation is going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and to your point about access, I mean, just to talk on that for a second, I think for me personally, I think it was part of our mission, but mm. access is a huge, yeah. huge point to this. Like, ignoring the fact I'm ancient and social media didn't exist when I was a kid, but I mean, even as a child, like, I wasn't, I come from a very working class background and, and in a smaller town, I'm from Bradford, so like a small town off of like kind of the big city in Leeds, and very much looking at that as like, if it wasn't for a couple of very small, a handful of teachers, I would not have known that journalism was even an option mm-hmm. for me. And now as a, a grown up and in the industry, I do stuff like mentoring with the Ideas Foundation. And obviously we partnered with the Juice Academy for mm-hmm. the content team for the events in Manchester, across uh, all our events. And being able to speak to people who are actively, so for Ideas Foundation, I do a lot of work with like college kids uh, and, and they're, even uh, you would think now their grasp of social is obviously so all-encompassing with the modern culture. It is, but they still don't recognise it or realise it's actually a career opportunity. Mm. Or yeah. if they do, they potentially look at it from a, the light of an influencer, which, mm. again, mm-hmm. I could, we could do an entire podcast about that. But, like, <laughs> being able to have those conversations and go, actually, you know what, you need to speak to this person, you need to do this, or you need to come to this event. For a long time, I, I wouldn't have been able to say anything about that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So the ability for us to be running an event series that is free, that even at a future free, you look at paid options, there is still going to be elements of access. It's going to be so important to what we do because I don't, I don't want at any point someone saying to me, like, I would love to come to your event, but I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's already done that. And I think that's, to your point, live around something on your doorstep as well. From it. I may be generalising here, but the idea of having to travel to London and then go to an event and there's going to be a thousand people there, like that's a terrifying prospect, not just for younger people, but for anyone who is not used to this industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We had, I had a conversation with, there was a woman in, I think it's Manchester, who was a photographer mm-hmm. and she'd never been to a networking event, but mm-hmm. because she was in Manchester and she was a photographer and she wasn't like a digital photographer, she was, she, she was uh, I think she must have been in the 50s and she was just talking about like, it was on my doorstep you reference content in the piece. One mm. of my friends on LinkedIn talked about it, so I thought I'd come down. I don't know if she came to all our events or she came to that one, mm-hmm. 
But that 10 minutes speaking to her was, for me, really impactful because it was an, it's kind of easy for me to attract a social media exec or a head of social media in Manchester, whether that's through network, mm. LinkedIn ad, whatever it might be. For us to connect to someone who has never been to an event before mm-hmm. and wanted to connect and wanted to give it a go, that was so powerful. And we've had people, we definitely had people, probably more on the junior end, ask us like, I've never networked before, what should I do? Which again, that was something I never really expected. People at DMing us and saying yeah, like, yeah. If I was to come to your event, what do I do? And we, again, there was a young girl who I was, we essentially coached into like, if you come along, we, we can give you like an initial intro to one or two people. Yeah. So you feel comfortable with mm-hmm, a, a, mm-hmm. having an ally in the group. Then we have to kind of crack on and do the event. But yeah. like, like hey, here yeah. is someone you should speak to. Yeah. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, I love that. We're going to come down again. So I think yeah. that that access for me is huge. It's like yeah. such a, it's one of my primary drivers for doing this. Amazing. Yeah. And that, you know, the, the, the small ideas that you, I don't know if you like me get carried away with and you think right just leave that that's down the line and then before you know it you're kind of working on it like the, yeah. the, the idea for a social north fund plugs into that mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think we can definitely you know, relate to that on some level yeah. can't we live <laughs> no I think it's been such an interesting chat with with you both today and I'm super excited for the, yeah. the future of social north yeah um, as I've already said I'm a massive advocate for like the north and kind of you know for a, a long time people didn't know well I think a lot of people still don't know that girls in marketing is is Liverpool based it's something mm-hmm. that we we speak mm-hmm. a lot more about mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. but at the beginning it was very much like oh like they knew it was UK assumed yeah. it's London you know everyone does so I think that's definitely really important to me but very excited for the future of social north thank yeah, you so thank much you. for coming on so thank you th- as the only official two-time speaker at Social North. Yeah. 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 It means a lot to get the invite. So yeah, thank you for today. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Girls in Marketing podcast. We love hearing from you. So if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review to let us know your thoughts and make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button to be the first to hear when our new episodes release. Don't forget, if you want to get involved with Girls in Marketing, check out our membership to join our incredible community of marketers. Think marketing resources, courses, webinars, and more. Find out more on our website or drop us a message on any of our social channels at Girls in Marketing.